2: 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man Jim. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end.
3: Frog went in court and he did ride. King Kong, kitchy kitchy with a sword and a pistol by his side. King Kong, kitchy kitchy ki meo, Mo monkey, ki Way down yonder in a holler tree, an owl and a bat and a bumblebee. King Kong, kitchy kitchy
0: meo.
2: That is King Kong, kitchy kitchy ki meo oh, by Chubby Parker. Hello. Off of the 1997 compilation record, Anthology of American Folk Music. And it is also number 278 on the 500. I am Josh Adam Myers. If this is the first time you're listening to us, how you doing? i just let you know I'm a comedian, going through Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. And I don't know a lot about music, but thankfully, I have writers that have given me most of the info. So that's your little skadoodle. Uh, so you don't get pissed and immediately go to the Apple Music, uh, comment section and, and fucking shit all over me. But, you might still, and either way, I don't care. Uh, thank you, Fleece Army, for tuning in each week. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, to all the Patreon people out there, thank you. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon, $5 gets you a lot of stuff. Merch. Uh, you can ask questions to the guests. Uh, we love, 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 uh, these questions. So keep them coming and support the show, man. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Uh, we have a YouTube subscribe to the YouTube. Also, I have a YouTube, uh, where I post videos and, uh, just more promo. Follow me on social media at Josh Adam Myers. I post clips daily. It's a lot of fun. I'm almost at a hundred thousand. I'm digging it. Uh, I am on the road. You can see me March 3rd through the 4th at the Greenville, South Carolina Comedy Zone. And March 17th and 18th, I will be at the Greensboro, North Carolina Comedy Zone. Oh, February 26th, I'll be doing a goddamn comedy jam at the Comedy Store. February 27th, we're doing a shimmy. Um, There'll be, there's a lot more stuff coming up. I have a big tour to announce over the summer. Uh, playing arenas and uh, amphitheaters, I'm really excited about. So go to JoshAdamMyers.com for tickets and come see me out on the road, everybody. I'm digging it. Oh, I'll be La Jolla the end of April and Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas, uh, April 20th through the 24th. All right, what are we talking about? The anthology of American folk music. It's a longy. It's a strongy. Uh, but we got a dude on today, uh, man, this was fun. The one and only Dusty Slay. You've seen him on Netflix, The Tonight Show, Last Comic Standing. Uh, he's got a great podcast with Nate Bargatze called Nate Land. Uh, he's also got a podcast called We're Having a Good Time. He is a Southern boy. Very fun. There, I think when you get a record like this, it's difficult to find the guest. And I think we fucking nailed it. Rate, review and most importantly, subscribe to the 500. Listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on social media. Email the podcast at 500 at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website the500podcast.com. Who wants to start it? 278 Anthology of American Folk Music. Booyah. <laughs> an hour of sexual goodness featuring <laughs> music during the great depression <laughs> well i'm on texas gamadoon and rambler and there is dusty finally there well
3: i'm very sorry i um i just slipped back into central time zone and i was looking for four o'clock and i'm so i'm so sorry no don't worry All dude no, wait, i'm just happy you you're here up. This is the I'm, eighth attempt, I think. <laughs> well, I'm pumped to be here. This is awesome,
2: dude. I'm not only am I pumped to be here. It's like this is what's so funny about this, uh, Dusty, and it's crazy that you and I have never met because I spend a lot of time in Nashville, and we're we're both comedians, and we know a lot of the same people. I'm fr- I'm friends with Nate and and everybody over at Zane's Nashville, and I've seen your work, and I think you're great. But this is why we needed this so bad because I remember Jeremiah, <laughs> my producer. I was getting ready to like, you You missed the first one, which was totally cool. And we're like, all right, we'll bump it to Friday. And then I was like, all right. And then I got offered to go to Boston with Big Jay Okerson and just have like a fun weekend, doing a couple theater gigs and just chilling and like and whatever. And I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, I think I gotta go. And Jeremiah goes, yeah, dude, but we can't lose Dusty for this. I have no idea who's <laughs> gonna talk about the anthology <laughs> of the American folk music and know it at all.
3: Well um yeah, well, I'm pumped to be here I mean i um Friday would have been I would have been able to do it, but it would have been bad for me too because my the, I flew into Grand Rapids the airline lost my baggage for a bit I had to oh, uber shit. back and forth to the airport so and I was just in uh, Eastern time last night and then I slipped back into central, but I'm still thinking four o'clock but
2: Dude, here's the deal. Couldn't be worse than my night. Last night, I was talking to Jeremiah, and I want to tell all my listeners about this because uh, I think I have a three million dollar lawsuit with McDonald's because we went to the we went to the drive through. We were podcasting while we were at the drive thru and we're videotaping all of this. Uh, Louis J. Gomez orders a coffee. I'm going to pass it to him. The cup explodes. It's boiling coffee. It, it's given me second. Would you call that second or third degree, Jeremiah? On my leg, burns two and a half. Two and a half degree wow. burns on my inner thigh, which people are wondering that my friends were like, how could you get a burn underneath your knee, like under, like in the, in the socket area? Like this coffee was like the bullet from JFK. Like this went up and to the <laughs> left.
3: <laughs> well, you know, people always made fun of that lady that, um, that got burned with coffee, but it messed her up, they say, did. you know? It did. And I read I about I don't even know what a second or third degree burn looks like, but even a little bit of burn is not fun.
2: Yeah. I've, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to an urgent care so I can, so I can lock it in. And then I'm getting a lawyer because my entertainment lawyer can't do shit, but I'll get like a real greasy, <laughs> like greasy lawyer. And we're going to fucking, we're going to get you McDonald's. <laughs> we're going to get you. Well, I, I hope it happens. So do I please. Cause that would be great. I want a bigger <laughs> apartment. Um, Let's before we even get into American folk music, I I've only known what I've seen you on your Netflix special. I see you online, you know, I, I the the comedy, the voice, everything. So where where were you born? What was it like growing up for you? Because I want to get to that before we get into the folk music.
3: Uh, well, I was born in Alabama, a town called Opelika, Alabama, okay. uh, which is uh, about two hours from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we're right on the east side of Alabama. Uh, uh, my parents were married until I was about two. Uh, I don't know how they ever got married to each other. I could never see them married to each other, but it didn't <laughs> last long. Nice. Uh, and then I moved into a trailer park with my mom. And, um, and then that's what I wrote at least all of my early jokes about. Uh, I think I've ran out of them now. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to come up with trailer park jokes, but I think I've just run out of it now.
2: Hey man, uh, you hit a wall, dude. That's yeah. it. now it's time to move into single family home, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like condo living. Exactly. Uh, so you you obviously grew up, uh, you know, like you said, like in the in the south uh, you know,
3: low, low in, what'd you call it? Like lower class, middle class or lower middle class? I would call it lower class. I mean, I think, uh, I think my family was good. Uh, you know, we weren't like, you know, stabbing each other and stuff, but we were uh, definitely lower class. Nice. Nice.
2: We were, we were, we were middle class and my dad lost his job and we still lived in our house to make it look like we were middle class. But in actuality, we were lower middle class. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was a it was a rough time. And then well, I've talked about this on the podcast before,
3: but it, I think it builds character, you know, uh, like- well, I think so, too. I mean, had my parents stayed married, I probably would have been middle class. They both had pretty decent jobs. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, it is uh, it is like rough and weird ways to be poor, like like we had money for food and stuff you know we weren't starving but yeah. uh it's and i had like a a super nintendo and a lot of games we weren't managing the money well. Yeah. <laughs> there was money, but we would go to NASCAR races and order <laughs> WWF pay-per-view, you know. Yeah.
2: Dude, you gotta see SummerSlam fucking <laughs> yeah. ravishing yeah. red food versus Ultimate Warrior. That's come it. on, man. <laughs> um, very much so. I think my mom was the was the was a wallet keeper and my dad was the one that was always angry, but my mom was spending and but it's like you know, there's still something in the house of like arts and humor and and laugh and music, like my dad, even when he would be depressed about the the job situation he was in would would always have like you know good jazz on upbeat music my mom would listen to the beatles and shit like that so what was what was like playing because you were too young to really remember when your mom and dad were together but when you were living with your mom you know what music was kind of going through the household or how did you guys besides the wrestlemania how'd you keep yourself entertained well
3: we were mainly a 90s country family i mean that's because i mean late 80s or in 90s i mean because that I, i was born in 82 OK, so that's what we were doing. I mean, George Strait, uh, Garth Brooks, Alabama, uh, Reba McIntyre. I mean, nice. that sort of thing. But my sisters were I got a sister that's nine years older, a sister that's 11 years older. They were into like Poison and Rat and Motley Crue. Yeah, the good. And sound. then my mom would also listen to some Bon Jovi. We would uh, sing a lot of Bon Jovi in the car. And she also <laughs> liked uh, Jim Croce a lot. Nice, I oh, you know, love the croach. Uh, she had a Barry Manilow box set. I know more Barry Manilow songs than I probably should. Uh, that, there's nothing to be ashamed about that either, though. Like uh,
2: the cheese, the cheese crooners, like the the Neil Diamonds. Oh yeah. Uh, the Barry Manilows, the Paul Ancas, the stuff like that, like that's great music. You might not appreciate it when you're when you're like in the thick of like hair metal or grunge, but the older you get, the more that you're like, ah, those songs that you just like Sweet Caroline, yeah, that's cheesy as fuck. But if you go to like the rest of Neil Diamond's catalog, I mean, that's great music.
3: Great music. And, and really Sweet Caroline's only cheesy now because everybody has ran it in the ground. Yes. Like, if you were sitting there and that song came on for the first time, you would be like, oh, this is amazing. It's yeah. like if you tell somebody that you really like the song Stairway to Heaven, they act like you don't know anything about music. And yeah. it's like, no, that's a great song. Great song, dude. You and just you heard want, it too much. If you want a
2: different version of it, uh, past guest that we had on this podcast, Ann Wilson from Heart, uh, I think it was at, like, the Kennedy Center Honors. She does a cover of it. and wow. I mean, okay. it's it is, like everything that we have, a, we used to have a writer on the show named Morty. And he would say that, that, you know, Ann Wilson and Hart were kind of past the torch from Robert Plant and Jimmy Page in this weird way back then, because of of the, of the notes that Ann and, and Nancy could sing. And it's like, you hear that and you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a perfect cover. and And if anything, it just makes the song, which is which we already love. And it's already musically. It's like one of the most popular, greatest, songs ever written it really just shows all of why you love that song even more so check that out Um, yeah yeah i will check that out i love that i love that you 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 kind of yeah it's like that that 80s living which is like you're getting you know because you're living in the south so you're getting that country which by the way the 80s and 90s country might be i mean country now is so bad compared and I hate to say that if you're a fan and I'm going on the road with with Jelly Roll for this big uh oh, yeah. tour for like 40 shows his music oh, I all. dig I, I know dig jelly his Oh mu- yeah.
3: You love Jelly, his music's great, but it's like some of the other country is just terrible now. Well there's there is good uh there is good country out there but yeah you're right. I mean it's not like I do the opry a bunch, right? So I hate to criticize new country, but it's like this is what I'll say. It's just not country. It it's not is, it's pop. Yeah, it's just wow. like, I went exactly. to the ACM Awards in Vegas last year and they had, there was no fiddle, no steel guitar, no upright bass. I mean, it was, I mean, they're all great musicians, but it's just not country.
1: It's Florida, Georgia line. It's like, yeah,
2: it's very commercially successful on the radio and all of that. Who's that song? God damn me and Tessa, my ex-girlfriend, used to make fun of it. It was like... uh It's like, country girl, shake it for me, girl, shake it for me. With the critters and the crawls down by the creek, and you're giving (laughs) up everything down by the sheets, and you're getting all the hay and the hoe, daddy, ho, critters and the crickets and the critters and the crickets. That could be
3: a number of
0: songs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But what's cool, what's cool, Dusty, about doing this podcast was I was the guy for most of my life, you know, when people would say, what music do you like? I'd be like, everything but country. And then we started doing this podcast. And yeah, some stuff. I remember when I was dating Tessa because she was from South Carolina, she got me into Alan Jackson, like, you know, uh, down by the river with the Chattahoochee, like that little bitty. Hoochie coochie. -coochie. I I swear to God, (laughs) I could listen to Alan Jackson all fucking day. Alan Jackson's great we started doing this podcast and I think the first country record that really came up was Steve Earle, uh, guitar town, which I fucking, I remember Jeremiah, I fell in love with that record. I've seen Steve Earl three times live since, nice. um, we've done like Merle Haggard, uh, his anthology. We've done Loretta Lynn, which I fell in love with Loretta Lynn. Uh, and we've done, I think we've done like, fuck, uh, we've done a few more cause, but, but this is the thing is that you listen to that old country, you know, and, and you some of the lyrics, especially the Outlaw stuff and Loretta, I mean, those lyrics are as as real as like some of the early hip hop about what was happening in the South Bronx or what's happening in the ghetto. It's like oh, you're yeah. just getting a,
3: you're getting a different part of the country, but you're getting just realistic shit. Johnny Paycheck has a song called Colorado Kool-Aid, where he talks about being in a bar and a guy spits in his buddy's ear, spits beer in his ear and his buddy takes out a knife and cuts the guy's ear off and it falls on the ground. Ooh. And I'm like, did it happen? I don't know, but I bet it did. For sure.
2: You know, what's <laughs> funny about Johnny paycheck. So I do the goddamn comedy jam where comedians sing and bill Burr has done it almost more than anybody, but he, he only plays drums and he sang only once he's the only song he sang was uh Take this job and shove it uh, there, yeah. there, and That's a team. great one. That's a great, he dressed up like Johnny Paycheck. Actually, what we're doing uh, at the jam on February 28th, and I think you'll appreciate this, we're doing, there's a song by, I'm pretty sure it's Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson. It's like, uh, fuck, I'm going to remember the title of it, but it's like, uh something the cocaine put down the whiskey baby (laughs) no yeah no more whiskey no more yeah yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 we're we're gonna do a duet of that which i gotta i better fucking learn the goddamn lyrics because it's coming up in a few weeks but all of that music that we were just talking about the 80s the 90s and then so down earlier you don't get any of that unless you have what we're listening to today, which is basically, you know, one of the most extensive mixtapes of early folk music ever put together. Um, and what blew my mind was, you know, it does seem like it's on brand with you because where you grew up, you know, your, your style of stand-up, everything you talk about your image, but it's like, I was, I was more in shock that I was like, wow, Dusty wants to do this. Like, so how, so like, do you have a love for this earlier folk music or were you just interested and thought you'd want to listen to this just to kind of talk about it?
3: Well, you know, I am into folk music, right. But I didn't exactly know the album, right. Uh, The anthology that was put together. So I start listening to this because I went, when I, when we first talked about doing this, I went and I just downloaded a bunch of different folk. I just started listening to it. Just you know, cause you know, everybody knows like Bob Dylan and Gordon Lightfoot and, 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 and people like that. And it's like, um, but you know, these, these, this anthology much older, and this is the way that, you know, it, the thing that I always think about when I listen to music like this, it's like, it's all about the setting, right? If you yeah. throw this music on in the car, it's not the best because it's it's the recordings are old i'm sure the microphones we can buy microphones at walmart that are better than what they had (laughs) in the studio then yeah uh and uh so but it's like there's one uh, song on there i was listening it was just like flute and drums and i thought if you're hanging out at a party somebody throws this song on you're gonna be like you're you're gonna be mad about it you're gonna be like let's (laughs) get out of here what's going on but if a guy shows up and starts playing the flute like that, you're like, this is amazing. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, what I love about every
2: recording uh, is this every song off of these three separate albums, there's this, this noise is running under every track.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the first <laughs> the first half of the album almost feels like they're all inspired by You Are My Sunshine. Yes. It well, just sounds, There wasn't, not to cut you off, but there wasn't like
2: a lot of variation in chord changes, I guess, a long time ago. And you could even say some of the old big band shit all has like a similar
3: vibe and cadence to everything. Um, Yeah, because I think probably, they didn't have a lot to draw from, right? They didn't have all this other music to be like, I'm going to incorporate this. But they also, people were probably just starved for entertainment, especially in these really poor areas. That's why you get all this, blues out of new orleans and and mississippi it's like just really poor areas where people you know if you can get a guitar or a harmonica and and uh, and sing a little bit like people have something to do oh my god this is i mean this was some of these people
2: performing probably like the whole town shut down to go see them because like this was like this was like you know you know from my understanding like this let me let me go into what this actually is because i want to we have a little spiel so just because this isn't like one person put this together this is a folk music enthusiast named harry smith he chronicled one of the most important periods in our country's history the periods before during and after the great depression including uh, tales of adultery presidential assassinations and the titanic while the release date uh, says 1997 officially on our list. It was actually released in 1952, but due to rights issues not being buttoned up, that this wasn't an official release until 97. So this is, even though it's called the Anthology of American Folk Music, this is literally one guy. It's called the Harry Smith Anthology, as some call it. And this is the Bible of folk music during the late 50s and early 60s, uh, Greenwich Village folk scene. And it's credited with sparking the revival of American folk music. Uh, including being influential on Bob Dylan, but, it, uh, but also this is really does have some of the earliest recordings of blues and country music over three separate albums, 84 tracks. Uh, did you listen to the whole thing? You've gone through all. I've listen,
3: I have listened to most of it. Yes. Yeah.
2: This is a longie dude. This is a yeah. long, I I got all of this on a drive from massachusetts down to new york city i listened to it uh the whole way down smoked joint uh i like this shit. i like yeah as as i've gotten older dusty there's a group and this isn't them none of them they're not on this but there's this group called the ink spots you know they they have these they have like have you ever seen like uh like the shining, like the music that they played, like at that hotel where it's like, if I didn't care, oh, yeah, if yeah. I did, I, I do know. I love that shit. Even though it's, it's like horror movie music you know so this when i put this on and and i it started i immediately was like okay like this i'm in this vibe i really dig this style shit i love the crinkle i love the limitless of the instruments and how like this is basically like you said they set up a goddamn microphone the guys were probably around it all playing at the same time and whatever was recorded is what they got
3: And there's a Um, chance they didn't even understand. I mean, imagine you don't have microphones all the time and then you go sit in a room. There's a chance you don't even really know what's happening. You're like, I'm just in here singing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, not that they were dumb, but it was like, like we have microphones around us all the time. I mean, I got, I usually I'm traveling with two or three microphones in my bag, you know, I'm going through the airport, getting TSA, checking my microphones. Yeah. But um you know they didn't even have a microphone. So imagine you go into this place and they're like, "Hey, do that song, and then we're going to record it." You might yeah. not even know what record means.
2: What? What are you talking about? We're going to take what you did, put it on this this round circle. What kind of devil <laughs> instrument is that? <laughs> yes, I <I'll> think I <laughs> think I think my preacher would be very happy if he found out that I was contributing to the dark arts.
3: Yeah, I mean, some have said, like, the Amish don't want you to take photos of them because they believe it, like, captures their soul or something, you know? So, I mean, imagine your, your music on a record,
2: all right, now i gotta ask you this question because of where you grew up did you experience those kind of people like where are those those like you know i i don't think that you are involved in this but i used to watch this shit on like 20 20 or 60 minutes with like the people that worship jesus through like venomous snakes and they're like they're well, like oh, i'm a home Bahama jesus i'm handling a sniper and a home here. oh well, jesus <laughs> you know
3: the bible tells us to not be messing with snakes so i don't know why you know i mean adam and eve right you know yeah. so i'm I'm like i know i've never been in a church like that i've been to some wild churches where they're like talking in tongues and laying hands on each other and people are falling out in there but i went to that church because i was interested in a girl that went there i had no idea what was going on there uh, did, did, you, did you seal the deal yeah uh, no i no, it, it, it did not pan out and probably worked out well for me i was a waiter at a restaurant called western sizzling at the time and and it's good that that didn't work out Wait, what, what are they serving at Western Sizzlin'? Well, Western Sizzlin', I have a joke. I say it's like a golden corral without all the class. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like a silver corral.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jared, did you ever go with us where we used to get high and drive down to Frederick and go to Golden Corral? Me, Lebkicker, Dude. Bobby, and all of us. God damn, that was like, I would look forward to that. Like that well, shitty restaurant. Western Susan was
3: great back in the day. I mean, mean, it's a steak restaurant, so you actually could order steaks, but then they also had the buffet, a lot of fried chicken, a lot of yeast rolls, fat back, which I'm still not real clear on, but my understanding is that's fried pieces of fat oh god
0: Uh, from the back (laughs) from the back back fat real real salty yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's
2: like it's like uh, my mom used to cook us uh, cook us flanks not flank steak flank steak's actually good cube steak did you ever have cube steak? oh yeah I've had
3: cube steak yeah yeah
2: Burr Burr does a joke about it where he goes it's the toughest meat I think it's from the ACL of a yak (laughs) 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 it was my mom it was like once every couple weeks when she was just like this is what we could have Ford this week like, God, oh, yeah the only you, know, you needed ketchup to cut it. I remember Golden Corral, you know it was it was fine it was like a, it was like have you ever done a you ever done a like a cruise i've like, been on a cruise never done a crew never done comedy on a cruise so I mean well you don't thank God. You know, you're doing great. So you never have to, unless, (laughs) unless like you get invited to like the Burt cruise or like the impractical Joker's cruise, fuck every one of them off. Be like, no, I don't want to do it. But when your homies are on it, it's the best. Um, but there's a buffet there, and I would say I would say Golden Corral is above that. I would say Golden Corral is above of like a.
3: Yeah, I think so. Buffet. They used to have you know a meat cutter guy, a guy that would stand there and cut you off a little piece of yeah. uh, whatever it was. I mean, <laughs> called prime rib, was it prime rib? I don't know, but no. uh, <laughs> yeah, but they, but he would cut it off for you, and you're like, all right, this is living. This is what we're doing here. I'm on a lunch break. I got to go work after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Man, what an incredible interview so far, and we're gonna get right back to it. But before we do, I wanted to quickly plug another show that you gotta listen to next once this is done. From Next Chapter Podcast comes an amazing adaptation of the classic verse of Billy Shakespeare, aka William Shakespeare, called Play On. Now you may think you know all the man's plays back to front, but I'm telling you, this is possibly history's greatest storyteller like you've never heard him before. There's rich, immersive sound design, and beautiful original music. Also, language and settings have been updated by award-winning modern playwrights to help make them just as relevant today as they were a hundred of years ago. A hundred of years ago. The latest series, The Winter's Tale, is the perfect combination of intense drama and sharp-witted comedy. And the story just came to its epic conclusion with the release of the final episode. So be sure to binge the whole thing, then check out play on podcasts, wherever you get your pods or go to ncpodcast.com to learn more. And now back to the show. But there's, I think there's like, you know, there's, there's, there's like places in America. That's like, just like we were talking about with the, the golden corral being a good restaurant where, you know, the, whether it's the, those churches that we're talking about, it's, it's the people that, you know, they, they always talk to those people that are like, that are like, we went to this foreign country where there's like, there's no real television. There's no nothing. And so they, they, they just have this life there. And I've driven, and I'm pretty sure you have too, driven through parts of America where it's like, they're contained. They are, this one community is completely self-sufficient. They have their butcher, they have their police officer, they have their hospital or, or doctor. And then those people don't ever leave
3: there. Right. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, my, my hometown is, you know, it's a bit bigger. I mean, it's right next to a university, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I never really left my hometown. My, uh, my uh, uncle worked at a holiday inn in uh, several different cities, usually Gatlinburg and that's where we would vacation. We never left. I you mean, really there's did. no reason to leave. Why would we leave? So how did you suddenly, how did you, did you start getting into stand up? Did you
2: know that you were like, you were like, man, I'm just a funny guy in my community or like, how did it so Dude, you're killing it. And I mean, I, I, it's also, you're clean too. So that just makes it even easier to get you out there. But, but like, how did you suddenly just, you
3: know, decide you wanted to do this? I moved to Charleston, South Carolina when I was 21 and uh, me and my buddy that moved there instantly got into a fight. We moved into different apartments. So now I'm in this new place with no friends and, and and coming from a town where I knew everyone, yeah. to now I have no friends. And so I saw this ad in a newspaper for improv classes. Mm-hmm. So I just I had no idea what improv was, uh, but it said comedy improv classes. So I took a class, and then through that uh, started doing stand up. And then just uh, for six years I lived in Charleston doing stand up. I never did a comedy club. Uh, I had no idea uh, even how comedy business worked. Mm-hmm. I was just having, I was selling pesticides and doing comedy on the <laughs> side. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, it was, and then I won a competition locally yeah, and I made a little money. And then the next year, and then I quit drinking. And then the next year I won the competition by so many more votes that I thought, well, maybe I can do something with this. So yeah. I started trying to figure out how to get into the business. And I met a guy, comic named Keith Alberstadt who is a Nashville comic. And he just kind of told me what he did living out of Nashville. He could hit all these clubs in surrounding areas and just go do guest spots and work your way into the club. I mean, there's so many cities within, especially within eight hours of Nashville, but several within four, some within three, a couple within two. And it's like, so I just, that's what I did. I moved to Nashville and I just started reaching out to clubs, doing guest spots, traveling, traveling doing any club i could do for little to no money yeah and then i just kept doing it and then i started uh working my way into comedy festivals and i got a couple of late night appearances from um comedy festivals and then i got jfl and then off to the races
1: what was your day job in nashville when you first moved there
3: well, I moved there with intentions of doing comedy, right? So I, I used to sell pesticides. I did that for like um, eight years. And then I quit that job when I quit drinking. It, it all happened about the same time. And I didn't do it for two years, but it was a nationwide company, right? So when I moved to Nashville, I got, they gave me a part time job, but it was a seasonal position. And my mm-hmm. whole plan was that by the time that job ended for the season, then I would not get a job again. That was my place. Nice. And then comedy. it worked. And that was 2014. I mean, I lived in an apartment. i lived in an attic apartment uh, for $250 a month um, because wow. I was making no money at comedy. I mean, maybe a weekend a month I was driving. I drive eight hours to make 270 bucks, you know, and uh, oh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of comedies on weekends. Oh god! A lot of funny business
2: runs. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. We
0: had
3: in the in the West Coast. I don't know if they had
2: them in the East. We used to have triple runs, which is basically. You would just, you and another buddy would drive up to the bumfuck California, do a gig up there, drive up to Oregon, do a gig up there, drive up to Washington, maybe go over to like one of like the way down and hit a Vegas thing. And it was like, you might make totally between like eight eight gigs, like, you know, seven, eight hundred bucks, a hundred dollars a night to do 45
3: minutes. But well, the triple Run is very famous, but I never did one. Most Everybody people, knows it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Every it was it was a rite of passage. And I think that's yeah. kind
3: of the thing about with
2: stand-up comedy too, is that like we all have our like our Batman origin stories, and we always it's like there was a twist. Like mine was I was always a funny guy, and then one night I was high on Coke and somebody was like, You're a comic, right? And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I am. And then I went home and I found uh I found uh Chuckle was it Chuckle Monkey? Was that old website that literally had all the open mics? Oh and- yeah. I went to chuckle monkey. I found wise anchors. I went there and, and, you know, I signed up, I didn't get on the list and I go up to the guy that's running it. And I go, listen, man, I've never done stand up comedy. And if, and I signed up tonight and the, you know, I'm nervous. And and if I don't do it tonight, I don't know if I'm never coming back. And he was like, I'll put you up last. And I went up there and I did a blatant Dane Cook impersonation. Okay. I mean, (laughs) I mean, down to every morsel of it was cookie. And, and uh, he was like, yeah, it was like, it was, it was fine. And I was like, all right. And then I did it one more time. And then I moved and I was like, I'm ready for LA. And right. I moved I to LA that. and just yeah don't waste still, any time just get yeah, in there Fuck like that dude also yeah. here's the cool thing about stand-up and I think this is what's so great about our profession is that I've been doing it almost 15 years and I finally figured out what I want to do with it and how I want to be on stage and and that's what's beautiful about this you know yeah it's, it's it really is it's like it takes time some people know it right away and they're just dialed in and, and some people you're just it's, you're just throwing shit up against the wall. And then finally, when you, and the cool thing is, and I could say the same thing, probably what, what made you so successful so early is you're such an individual that once you leaned into who you were and you talk about all that life experience, that's when people catch on because they're like, yeah, there's no one like dusty. And I love what he's saying. Cause I can tell that's from a real place and and I know that life or whatever.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like people, uh, from all walks of life, if they've been poor at some point, they love it. But I would do this joke where I talk about good money where I would say we didn't have a lot of money, but what we had was good money. You know, it's where your parents buy you something you don't like. And they're like, we paid good money for that. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I haven't done that joke in a long time. My delivery's way off, but, uh, <laughs> it was great. but that would grab people. And, uh, because they would be like, Oh man, I know that. I mean, my mom said that to me all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, That's what I love. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's like when I was selling pesticides, I wasn't, that wasn't my side gig to get to comedy. I never thought I would be a full-time comic. I just was like, this is fun. I like this. I like drinking. I, I go work at a job I hate. And then at night I go out and do open mics with my buddies and we get, you know, we get wasted after the open mic. Yeah, it was like it was great. I loved it. The best, the best. But then I started to like get good, and then when I quit drinking, um, I was like, I don't know, my comedy just took off. I was like, oh, this is so much better now. My, My brain was in such a fog. also you weren't inhaling pesticides (laughs) right exactly yeah i mean that played a role too i'm sure
2: (laughs) i love it all right you know what's funny i and i know we're a half hour in and we've only got another half hour of this but there is a 45 year old white man so upset that we're barely talking about this record (laughs) right now um he is he is trust me because he's gonna message me on on instagram when he finally figures out how to how to work instagram um (laughs) Let's hear. Let's let's dig into let's dig into some of this record. Uh, because I figure there's gonna be more shit coming out about our both life experience from what the shit that we read here. So This is all based on this one guy, Harry Smith. So uh, the little Fandango we have about it. So this guy, Harry Smith, is an experimental filmmaker. He owns a personal collection of 78 RPM records. He wrote that he selected recordings from between 1927 when electronic recording made possible accurate music reproduction and 1932 when the Great Depression halted folk music sales. Uh, upon its release, the anthology did not gain recognition, as it had sold relatively poor and had no notable early coverage. Besides a minor 1958 mention in Sing Out, a quarterly folk music journal, uh, this is like there's a lot of parallels between this and the Mighty Wind. So uh, I feel like this is a companion piece. So anybody uh, listening to this, uh, hashtag the Mighty Wind. The album is now, however, generally regarded as a landmark release in the history of the album, as well as an influential release during the 50s, 60s for the American Folk Music Revival. So this is who Harry Smith is. Let's talk about this guy, because there's none of this record if it's not for this dude having these records. So Harry Smith, this is actually kind of weird. He's a West Coast filmmaker, a Magic Ian, which is a ritual occult magic uh, magician, not a rabbit out of a hat magic. Uh, the spelling with a K dates back to yes. the Renaissance, uh, but he's bohemian and eccentric. As a teenager, he started collecting old blues, jazz, country, Cajun, and gospel records and accumulated a large collection of recordings and 78s being the only medium at the time. Uh, so this compilation is divided into three, two album volumes, ballads, Social music and songs. I don't know why that I mean, songs, made me yeah. laugh. Different. Just songs. Yeah. <laughs> they're not saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's no love. They don't give a fuck about society or or uh, or uh, racism. They, these are just tunes. Um, yeah. <laughs> as the yeah, title is singing, they're just getting yeah, they're, there. They're, they, they're just, they, Yeah, dude. They got. They have. <laughs> there's no weight or any kind of feeling behind it. They're, they're literally just, ha oh, 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 oh. just song, man, as the title yeah,
3: indicates. You know, and, I, and I, I didn't, I didn't buy the album, right? I just downloaded a playlist off Spotify. They say Same. that this playlist is the closest to it. So I don't see the album breakdown, but I did notice that as it got more into the album, I got more into it. Yes, the oh, ballads, totally. uh are a bit. It it, it it is so much to do with the recording quality that just makes it hard to to really get into. You can't really feel the uh, the soul of the singer because the recording 100%. is not that great. Yeah, uh, but as you get into it, and the the instrumental stuff is unbelievable. I mean, there's a fiddle, uh, there's a drum and, and flute song that I talked about. There's a good yeah. fiddle one. I mean, uh, it's, it's so great.
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more in, in the feeling that I got from listening to this. Like this was not uh this was not a hard listen for me. For me, this was a very, very fun, like I, I enjoyed that car ride home. And I, I would I went all the way through, which was about a three-hour ride. I think this came out to be about about under because every song's like, you know, barely three minutes. Um but It's, this is, this is what I love about music is that regardless if it's like overproduced shit that's coming out now or the most raw recordings that we're ever getting, you still can, it still captures some sort of an emotion and I find a connection to it. I might, I might not understand what is going on because this is a totally different time period, but. Uh, musically and what I hear through the instrumentation and through their lyrics, like I, it, it produces a feeling in me that is very common. And, and this is not like a, I'm not getting depressed. Like, even if it's a sad song, I'm, I, for some reason have a smile. It's because every one of these songs is like, <laughs> the it's all
3: jambalaya, dude. And you know? <laughs> that's how bluegrass is so often is bluegrass is like, they call it like the high lonesome blues And it's a lot of sad stuff. But it, yeah, I mean, that banjo, I mean, Steve Martin had a joke about it, but it's tough to be sad on the banjo.
1: First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
2: Yes, you're 100%, (laughs) dude. Uh, even when even when Mumford & Sons are singing about love and breakups, I'm just like, fuck it. Get that oh, fucking yeah. washboard out. <laughs> <laughs> she broke my heart and now I'm
3: die and I want to kill myself. <laughs> God, I love that. All right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Billy Joe Shaver has a song that he called, it says, Try and Try Again. And I mean... The first verse, he says, uh, I went up on a mountain. I looked down on my life. I had squandered all my money, lost my son and wife. Uh, My heart was filled with sorrow and I almost took my life. But I mean, it's a great country soon. When you're listening, you're like, this is not sad. This is great. Because it's It's... like, if if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. And he's he's like, look, look what I've been through.
2: Dude, even when I listen to, and I know she's not on here, but I mean, I believe like a lot of her music came from some of these early recordings and just the vibe, because everything we said, we've talked about that 90s country, the 70s, the 60s, all basically comes from this. Like when I listen to Loretta Lynn, Coal Miner's Daughter, like Coal Miner's Daughter is a sad song about growing up dirt poor, but it's like, it's just such a beautiful song. And so upbeat, it's like, well, we couldn't eat four days and my dad. (laughs) Died from (laughs) maids, and that is something that I'm doing right now.
3: And I'm just like, God, this is fucking this slaps. I know, especially if if you ever see photos of people going. There's a picture that I saw uh not long ago, and it was like all these people crammed into an elevator, and they were about to go down into the mine for the day, and it's just I mean, that's hard life. Hard, yeah. I mean, I imagine when you come home. Your dad is not very nice to you. Like, no. like when he gets home, he's not got time for niceness.
2: No. But then he puts he puts this record on and everybody's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 on you. Uh chair what 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 are what are some of the interesting things that we should talk about from this? Because there's so many tracks. There's so much to go through. I don't just want to like we can't just start at the beginning with this. I feel like there's so much that I want to miss. Here, let's let's do this, the influence of this record. Let's yeah. let's let's talk about this real quick. So music critic John Bush wrote the compilation could well be the most influential document of the 50s folk revival. Many of the recordings that appeared on it had languished in obscurity for 20 years, and it proved a revelation to a new group of folkies from Pete Singer to John Fahey to Bob Dylan and Joan Baez. The anthology made available music, which previously had been largely the preserve of marginal social economic groups. Many people who first heard this music through the anthology came from very different cultural and economic backgrounds from its original creators and listeners. Many previously obscure songs became standards at Hootenannies and folk clubs due to their inclusion on this anthology. Some of the musicians represented on the anthology saw their musical careers revived and made additional recordings and live, uh, appearances. Have you ever been to a Hootenanny?
3: Well, if I have, they didn't call it that. But I've Damn been it. to some clubs <laughs> that uh, I guess it could be considered a hoot nanny. I mean, that's something that they would say in the South, though. Like, oh, this is a hoot nanny. This party's a hoot nanny. I love that. I want to go
2: to a hoot nanny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've been to a rave. I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> it's it's insane, the Same thing.
0: Uh, a know.
3: rave in Opelika, Alabama, was a hoot nanny, I guess, oh, because God it was damn. Uh, just a, a, a guy DJing with the same bass beat the whole time, just do do do. Have you ever been to like a roadhouse bar? You ever been to like a double deuce? There was a there was a bar in outside of my hometown called the Cock and Bull, Ooh. and uh, and they had a, a A sign out front that said you weren't allowed to wear your colors like your gang colors i guess a lot of biker gangs were coming there and they would wear their colors in and then it would cause fights so you weren't allowed to wear that and it was a pretty rough joint i mean i I went there a few times but uh mainly this the sketchy stuff i mean you would go to like trailer parties you know and that's where it got real sketchy what's the sketchiest party you've ever been to well, I went to a party one time. It was in Auburn, uh, right outside of the university, but it's off in the country. And there, people that go to college at Auburn, a lot of them live in trailer parks. There's tons of trailer parks in Auburn. Uh, it's not weird at all to live in a trailer where I'm from. You're still poor, but it's not weird. Uh, yeah. In Charleston, South Carolina, trailer parks are weird because nobody lives in them. So if you do see one, very sketchy. But I went to this party. And I was young, you know, I was probably 16, 17 and I was like dancing, you know, I was out there dancing with girls, and I was drinking. And then we all go get in my car. I have a Ford Bronco two and it's a two door. I get in the back, my buddy's driving me. we got another buddy in the passenger and then, uh, me and another buddy in the back, it's my car, but I'm letting him drive because I'm wasted. And, and none of those guys danced with any women the whole time and, and not, you know, they just are respectful people, I think. And, uh, all these guys came running down to the car and they surrounded the car. And I mean, these were giant dudes and my one buddy locked the driver's door. So they went around to the passenger door. They opened the door (laughs) and this big guy, his name was, nickname was baby D we found out later. And he just starts punching my buddy and I'm sitting right behind him watching his (laughs) head get punched in. And he's like, uh, and finally they're like, and the guy that one guy goes, you shouldn't have been dancing with my girl. And then, they, <laughs> and then they, we took off finally. And he was fine, but I heard him say, you should <laughs> dance with my girl, which meant he was trying to punch me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Your buddy took the brunt of it. And I, I don't know that.
3: if that's the sketchiest party I've been to, but that's the closest I came to getting crushed at a party.
2: I mean, that's got Double Deuce vibes do it yes, for sure, yes. dude.
3: Goddamn, Baby D, hashtag Baby D, everybody, to see that d- you're listening to this. <laughs> I did go to a trailer to buy weed years later, and Baby D was there, but he didn't oh, know me. But it was very scary. He Thank didn't God. know you that
1: night, nor later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just bring your friend with you.
3: Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah, If you see these trailer doors, a lot of trailer doors, they don't have peep holes. They just have kind of like a diamond-shaped window on it. And it's just big enough that you could put a wash rag over it. You know, you just tack in three corners and it'll be a little flap. So you knock on the door and that flap lifts up and it's baby D's face. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I love
2: that. <laughs>
3: so there's so many
2: songs for us to, to go through. So, so me, many. So me and Jeremiah, and we're going to say this to all the listeners. Uh, I guess, Jared, can we put some of the facts on the website so people can kind of get yeah. it just, because Adam really did a lot of thorough work for this. And I feel Definitely. bad because... There's just too much. There's there's too much for us to break down. But Jar and I came up with this idea with you where we thought it would be fun. Uh these some of these are real and some of these are made up. Uh we want you to pick American folk singer or 70s porn
3: star. Okay. All right. All right, I love this. This is <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Because I was looking at some of those names today. I was. <laughs> right. Some of that. Right. All right, here we go. Joseph Falcon. I'm going 70s porn star. Nope. <laughs> it's fucking folk music, dude. Joseph Falcon. Okay. All right. So, all right. I'm, th- I'm you know, maybe I'm too much into the uh, blues mindset of the names of uh, singers. Okay. All right. All I'm right. Ready. All right. I'll give you an easy one Ron Jeremy. Okay, Ron Jeremy, 70s porn star.
2: Yes, who's now in jail. Now he's in jail. Oh, and then, I, have no I think idea. oh my god. Like you didn't know that, Jerry. Why are you looking at me like that? You have no idea. Ron Jeremy, like, I mean, he he like sexually assaulted uh women and he's being he's going to jail for like the rest of his life. Wow. Like, yeah, like he really fucked up. I mean, I guess it, dude, here's the thing, man. It's like, you know, I bet, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, and even the, probably the 90s, you probably get away with shit. And then the second you know, all the women, you know, turned in 2017, they were just like, fuck that dude. And I, only think I, I would meet him. He would come to the comedy store and he would fall asleep in the back like area. And he had like the most dandruff, dandry.
3: is that a word? Dandryf? Dandriad? Yeah. I mean, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. He had dandruff hair. Dandruff. Yeah. That sounds right though. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Dock. It's all over his, just all over his shirt and stuff. Flaky beard dander. If I see dudes with like beard, it's like, I get it. You maybe not can help it, but try to do something about it. Do something,
2: get some head and shoulders, dude. Yeah. Come on, dude. All right, <laughs> yeah. here we go. All right. This, this one might be easy. Blind Lemon Jefferson.
3: I'm going American folk singer.
2: Yes, okay. ding, ding. very much. Blind. See, that seems,
3: th- that's a real blues vibe to it
2: hundred percent. And also, and this is is what we've talked about this in a previous podcast, which is like, that's what's so great about back in the day where you just called out the person's ailment and the first (laughs) name to be like, Oh, this is cystic fibrosis, Jimmy (laughs) Stevens. And right over there, that is, that's, that's one leg, Tony (laughs) rubble. And that's, that's fibromyalgia, Sharon Myers. And I love that, man. We need to do, we need to
3: bring that shit back. I know we should bring it back. All
2: right, here we go. Get people
3: to clear up their dandruff. (laughs) Dandruffy Ron (laughs) Jeremy.
2: All right. This is a good one. This is a hard one. (laughs) Columbus Frog. I'm going American folk singer.
3: Jerry Ding. Yeah, nice. All right. All right, here we go. Doing well. Chubby Parker. Chubby Parker. I know Chubby Parker is an American folk singer. I do know Chevy Parker. His recordings are tough. He seems very good, but his recordings are are rough.
2: Yes, yes. All right, here we go. Doc Boggs.
3: I don't know. Let's switch it up. Let's go 70s porn star for Doc Boggs. Chair? Mm. All
0: right. All right. Okay.
3: okay. I mean, Doc Boggs, I could see America, but I was like, you know what? He can't have too many in a row. Cannon Jug Stomper. Well, I mean, I mean <laughs> Canon Jug Stomper. I mean, that's gotta be seventy-four porn star, but at the same time, a jug can be an instrument. You know what I mean? So is is was he known for stomping jugs? Yes. And that's what, you know. For sure, dude. It is <laughs> Jeremiah, what is
2: it? Folksinger. singer. All right. Here we go. Wow. I, I should have, okay. you know, I He's a up. folk singer. He's a folk singer. Yeah. I should have, I should have gone just down the list because now I have no idea if I've named some before. Like, uh, did I, I do, do this? All right. You do yeah.
3: one. And then I'll do ne- another one. All right. Prince Albert hunt. I'm, I am I think that I know this is a folk singer. You're right. Yes. <laughs> I think I've seen Prince Albert. I mean, I did listen to the album. So some of these names I've seen. Yeah. I actually saw Prince Albert today and I thought that's an interesting name. All (laughs) right. I got one. I got one. Jamie Gillis. Jamie Gillis. I feel like Jamie Gillis is a, a comedian. Oh, that's Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's a,
2: and he's a, and he's part of the 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 Jug Stompers too. He's.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Gillis. Let's go. Seventies porn star.
2: Ding ding ding. Openly right. bisexual. And he graduated magna cum laude from Columbia University. I swear <laughs> oh, God. to God. I swear to God. Nearly five hundred films. He died in in 2010 from melanoma. Oh. So this this episode's dedicated to Jamie Gillis, everybody. Uh hashtag Jamie Gillis. A lot of tanning
3: right. bed time, maybe for Jamie Yeah, Gillis. Too
2: much, dude. Too much. <laughs> that was back in the day, too, before tanning bags were fucking, they were just they were just shooting that fucking light at you. All right, Jared, what do you got? I mean, this one might be the most obvious, but
1: Dick Justice.
3: <sighs> I mean, that's gotta be 70s porn star. It has to be,
1: but it's not. It's not. Jeez. Dick Justice. Justice. Dick
3: Justice should be a one-star name though. If this it's not, be. I hope someone's listening to this that says, you know what, we'll make that happen.
2: Dick. More influence. Definitely a, a man of honor, Dick Justice. Dick Justice. <laughs> Courtroom porn. Courtroom <laughs> porn. <since laughs> it's very very law and order. Um, uh,
3: Peter Berlin. Oh, Peter Berlin. That sounds like 70s porn star. I feel like I'm saying all 70s porn star now, but Peter Berlin. Peter seems porn star-ish.
2: Ding, ding, ding. Gay sex icon. Uh, Also graduated from Columbia and died of melanoma. Melanoma must have just been No, he didn't die of melanoma. I'm kidding. Jerry, you want to do one more? I got one more.
3: Uncle Bunt Stevens. Uncle Bunt Stevens, American folk singer. Ding, ding. Well done. Yeah, if they're an uncle- they're a fault. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: well, before the recent, it wouldn't be a seventies porn star. The recent porn movement of the family stuff, uncle would have been perfectly fine, but not in the seventies. Then
2: I'll do an easy one. Herschel Savage. <laughs> no,
3: got uh, no, I gotta go seventies
2: porn. star. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, dude, this yeah. guy, he, he, Debbie does Dallas. This guy ruled my, that was like my dad. I remember when my dad died and I found his box of porn. Um, which you would think would be freaky, but it, it kind of was because it was all Asian eye contact blowjob scenes, oh, um, no. okay. which was great because <laughs> because that's what I'm into. So like father, <laughs> like son. Um, but uh, but he <laughs> did. My dad did have some of the classics. He had Debbie Does Dallas. He had he had a lot of the good stuff, dude. You know, and and I remember those were some of the first porns that I was able to to see. First porno you ever saw, Dusty? This is so off topic, but who gives a shit? Well,
3: I mean, I used to say, you know, I saw a comic one time that he was uh, talking about the first time he watched porn, and he was complaining about how slow the download speeds were. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that really blew my mind because the first time I watched porn was uh, uh, was on a VHS tape, and my biggest complaint was having to rewind it back to the place where my dad left it at. Yep, <laughs> yep. And yep. <laughs> uh, I couldn't tell you what the title of it was, but I can tell you that it was Tracy Lord's Nice. Uh, And I remember uh, he had a VHS tape of that and my stepbrother found it. And weirdly, (laughs) me and all the neighborhood kids put it in at a very young age and just sat around the living room and watched porn.
2: Dude, Jared, I remember one time we had a, we we all skipped school, like is in high school or something. And we're all at my house and I had this porno. I don't know where I got it from. And I put it in and we're all watching it. And then we were drinking from my parents' liquor cabinet and then everybody leaves. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to masturbate now. Andrew, I'm not going to say his full name, but our friend Andrew stole it. And I found it in his house, in his apartment, like, or room or something like six months later. And I was just like, I just took it back. I didn't say anything. I never said anything. I just took it.
3: He had the same idea you had. He was like, I think I'll do that too. <laughs> but there really was nothing like that back in the day. Like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of your friends just sitting around the living room, watching a porn that you found. I mean, it's so weird to think about, but it's like, it, really it was just so fascinating. i had never seen anything like that.
2: I remember when uh when the Pam and Tommy DVD came out, we rented it. Me and Paul Bliven and Matt Myers and a few of our friends, we rented it and we put it on. And when Tommy they were our friends were so homophobic, Jer, that like when Tommy Lee's dick was in the in the shot, they would go, uh, and like put their hand up to block the dick. And I'm like, that's the part you gotta see to, to see the sex. You gotta see the dick, dude. <laughs> Now I'm all, now I have relationships with certain of the male porn stars penises. Like uh, there's a couple guys where I'm like, oh, I like this guy. Like I like the way <laughs> his dick looks. <laughs> I do. I do. There's one guy. What's his name? Bruce. i always going to say Bruce Hornsby, but it's not that. It's Bruce. So and we'll find it later. Yeah, like you said back. you had a re- you have relationships. <laughs> well, don't you like with porn stars? Like, One don't way. you like, you, you? you guess like you get like, you find a girl that you dig and you're like, Oh my God. And you, and you like, you utilize her porn. And then you spend some time with her, you know, like you might jerk off like five, six times and then you move on, you break up. The 45
3: year old man that was complaining about us not covering the album before. Where do you think he's at now?
2: I don't know. Nor do I. <laughs> dude, listen, dude, this is, this is one of those episodes where, where I, it's what, what, are we, what, are we supposed to do? There's 300 songs on this.
3: <laughs> there is. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name. I I'm talking about the flute in the Uber today. And I had him listen to this on the way. I had an hour drive and we listened to a lot of That's it. amazing. He was like, oh, yeah,
1: anything you want to listen to? And you're like, how about 300 songs of folk music?
3: <laughs> hey, that you, is what I said. You
2: got anything from like right after the Great Depression? Yeah, like I'm really, I am not I'm really vibing with that time. You know what I mean? Like I really want to know what it's like. I want to feel the stock market crash in the music.
3: <laughs> I, love, I love some of these song names, you know, Mississippi Bo Weevil Blues. Yes. You know, I mean, they were really dealing Great. with stuff.
2: Dude dude some of these dude dusty some of these songs are like we like Adam our, our writer for this god bless his soul like he really did a good job like you know he talks about like the opening song from ballads like Henry Lee by Dick Justice and House Carpenter which is like it's just there's there's these so many interesting stories that I I can't even read for the time but there's like a song which I love oh, there's called Lord, uh it me. was called King Kong Kitchy, Kitchy, Key Me Oh oh by, yes yep but chubby oh, Parker, man. that's about a song about a frog courting a mouse <laughs> it's like the song the mouse is willing to marry the frog but he asks he has to ask permission of uncle rat and then there's this whole story and fucking where's the one about there's one about there's charles uh i'm gonna fuck that name up gutteau recorded well, by you know Go ahead. the
3: frog and rat song i mean i always like to try to think about like what's going on right it's like nowadays If I have to wait for anything for more than 30 seconds, I pull out my phone and start looking at it, right? I have no, I I don't know what to do. So you got to imagine, you know, this guy's sitting on his back porch, got nothing going on, and there's probably a frog out there and a rat that he keeps seeing. And then he just comes up with this idea that they got married to each other one day. And now this is a song. That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Who knows if it was even a was were, were songs even hits back then? Could you have a hit? Yeah, or is I, it I, just I, a no, song? for sure.
2: You no, you for sure had hits back then because I mean you wouldn't well, actually. You know what? I'm speaking out of my ass. I have no fucking idea. I really. I assume. I assume because radio radio existed back then, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, but it was like big band stuff. I mean, it was you know the folk. I don't think made it. No, folk you know, folk made it. And, and dude, and this is where this is where the fan, that one that one music dude that listens to this podcast can get mad at us because um my assumption is that folk music really, really was taken to the next level, like with with Dylan and those guys, the the Arlo Guthrie's. Totally. Um oh, yes. You know, great, a great movie for everybody to see. It's not about the music that's on here, but, uh, inside Lewin Davis, the Coen brothers movie about this, this, uh, folk singer in New York, you know, where, where I live, like in the village, you know, going, trying to, trying to make a dollar and, and, and he's like, this is right before Dylan comes out. And there's just like, they're just signing up all these folk singers. It's, it's a great movie. Uh, not this music, but, Like we said, everything without this music, we don't have all the country you grew up listening to. I'd even say there's there's some some like forms of rock and roll coming from this. I mean, this is blues. It's blues. And blues is is rock and roll without a doubt. Uh, Very influential record.
3: Arlo, Guthr- Arlo Guthrie really great I had uh I never had listened to him and I had some people come up to me after a show and tell me that I sounded like Arlo Guthrie uh when I the way I did comedy sounded like Arlo Guthrie really so I listened to the song Alice's Restaurant yeah uh, and then, which is really great I mean it's like I don't know about 10 minutes long yeah. Uh, and, and I forget exactly what it's about, but it's kind of like he was going to join the army and then it didn't work out or something like that. And I joined the army at 19 and then did and got arrested and, and didn't get uh, my court date came after my ship off date. So I never went. And um, so I just I always related. To that. I was just trying to escape my hometown and join the army. Yeah. And I couldn't even get out that way wow uh, like the cops were God like damn. no you're staying you're staying <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and you know, take I mean, your license so you can't even drive
2: around dude a, a fucking blessing in disguise bro you might have been yes, a fucking. you might have been a goddamn sort a sergeant at fucking pa- 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 alice island no not
3: alice island which where's the you know what i'm talking about the well, place where I, they take everybody i was gonna get shipped off to boot camp in august of 2001 so i would have been in boot camp when september 11th happened and wow i mean i was 19 and i had this weird kind of mindset that america is never going to be involved in a war because we're you know like we're the best or whatever uh like i was like who's going to mess with america and then like we were in a war like we've been in war since then basically basically. I i would have been um who knows i mean I always think of. I think about it sometimes. I go, "Hey, could have been great. Who knows what I would have did, right?" (laughs) But uh, probably not.
2: You, yeah. dude, listen you've you, you, you probably yeah. played you've probably played some fucking hell goddamn uh weekends on the road at like uncle chunky's funny shack that are just as bad as afghanistan in <laughs> 2003 bro i mean
3: yeah and, and interestingly enough some of the military towns are the worst towns uh i the did worst. Uh, fayetteville our, our fayetteville um north carolina is a, a military town and uh the the gig was rough i mean i don't know if it was a reflection of the whole town i don't know i can't speak to it but the gig was rough
2: dude (laughs) it's 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 what we do you know when there's like a lot of the black comics used to be like yo i'm on that grind and i'll be like nah it's not a grind dude it's a fucking grind it is a grind airports cars getting to the gigs dealing with club owners you know, writing new material, bombing with that new material, even doing good material, bombing with the good material, being in the best mood, ready to tackle the world. You're like, I'm about to put on the best show ever. Drunk, you know, bachelorette party in the audience ruins the oh, whole wow. hour. I mean, it's what we do. I say it on stage when I get hecklers. I go, you understand, this is the hardest job in the fucking world. Now, of course, coal miners, people getting black lung. Yeah. But what we do, having to go up there on stage where they don't know who we are, most of the time you at least at a place where it's like you've had something that really popped with the with the Netflix half hour where they can be like, all right, this we've seen this guy and they're coming to see you. But you know what it was like before that? You're going, you're going to those cities and you're the unknown headliner, and they're like, all right, make me laugh. Not, I'm here to laugh. Make me laugh
3: yeah i mean it is it is wild i mean i had just done the tonight show and i um uh was already booked at this gig in fayetteville and it's like called like the dog house or something like that and Mm -hmm. you go and the first show was there's two shows the first show was pretty decent had a pretty good turnout but my uh the guy that was opening for me he was out front and he was talking to a lady and this lady was like smoking and she goes this guy any good And he was like, he just did the Tonight Show. She goes, and she throws a cigarette out. She goes, that don't mean shit. And And then the second show rolls around and no new people show up. It's just people from the first show that decided to stick around and see the next one. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the same show here. I'm not, I I may have a joke (laughs) or two different, but this is the same show.
2: Dude. Here's the deal. This is what I this is what I want to do because I appreciate you coming on to talk about this album. We're gonna have you back when it's like one of the records that you're like, this is my fucking, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is something that you can that we know every little morsel of, and we've got stories about. But I, I dude, I had so much fun doing this with you, so I can't thank you enough.
3: Um, well, thank you. I, I did want to mention a lazy farmer boy. Yeah. Uh, and there, and I listened to those lyrics, and there is a song, uh, a cover by. Allison Krauss and Union Station called The Boy Who Wouldn't Hoe Corn. And their version is amazing. Instrumentally, it's so good. So it's I love worth this year. Yeah. no I will oh dude I listen and this is what
2: I love about this music is this is a record that will make its way still into my life i'm I'm not I'm not saying that my relationship with this record ends right here i I am going to listen to this again I'm gonna put that playlist on spotify on and it's just really nice background music and I, I recommend to all the listeners of the 500 all the fleece army dude put this record on and let it ride like you will not you won't it's not gonna make your day it's not gonna make your day worse it's gonna make your day better it's a mood, it's a vibe. And it's a time in our life that you'll realize influenced everything else moving forward. Like it, it, all the music we listen to now is all basically because of this record. And I mean, everything.
3: Yeah. I mean, and, it, and I, I just love to think about time periods, right? Because we talked about going to the golden corral buffet and eating all the fried chicken we want and the mm-hmm. guys cutting off meat. But my dad, uh, his dad was born in 1900. So my dad was raised by old parents And, you know, they were pretty poor growing up. And my dad for a long time would eat when he would eat like a chicken leg. And my dad has made some money at this point. But when he would eat a chicken leg, he would eat the ends off of it. And then he would eat the bone marrow out (laughs) of the chicken to where it was just a hollow little chicken bone. And he just said when he was growing up, it's like you got a piece of chicken. And that was it. You didn't get, you didn't, you didn't just nibble on it and grab another one. He was like, that was your piece. And you ate as much of it as you could possibly eat. So I think about that when I think about these people playing these songs, because it's easy to go, oh, this sucks. This is not what I want to listen to. But it's like, you really think about, here's some guy who he may have just somehow stumbled upon this guitar. And Mm -hmm. it is just, he he probably don't know any chords. He's just strumming away. And I don't know. I like to think about it when I listen to this music. I love that. I love yeah. that,
2: Dusty. I think that's, I think that when I talk about the elevator pitch, cause we're going to ask you the same questions we ask everybody. I, I think that was such a perfect way to sum up this record. It's like, it's a different, you know, some, this is, this album is those people's pieces of chicken. Yes. but Some of these people went on and, and, and actually probably had careers. Some of these people recorded this song. This is the biggest day of their life. They got this one little piece of their talent, on a fucking 78 and that's it. And it somehow yeah. ended up in, because of this one dude, Harry Smith, you know, big ups to Harry Smith. Ultimately, yeah. if it's not Harry, we're not yeah. here.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, it. it, it uh, what you said reminds me of that movie, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, right? Yes. Because in that movie, they go into a studio, they record a song and they leave and they take their $50 or whatever and they never think about that song again. And then meanwhile, this song is being printed and churned out and had they never did the concert they did, they might not know that they're actually famous. So how many people record a song and it went out to people and they never had any idea what was going on with 100 oh
2: wow dude yeah i'm gonna It's a good good point also good reminding me of that movie because that movie fucking rules it it really does it really does all right i'm gonna ask you these questions get you out of here uh and i if we don't know the titles i i you know we'll do the best we can but what was your favorite song on this record you can just say flute and <laughs> flute and banjo or
3: whatever well, I really would like to find that flute song, but yeah, I was like that I feel like that's where the album started to turn. Where I was like, Oh, okay, I like this.
1: The social music, right? Yeah. It's a little bit more lively. Judgment is one of those songs
3: where if you're like, if you were sitting in church and they started doing this song, you'd be like, Oh man, this is my church. Because that's a real jam. Yeah. I mean, it's it it seems like uh he got I think he got better things for you. It's also all a I mean maybe I, not, but I really liked
2: uh the one about the Titanic. John the Revelator. With, I loved when that great ship went down. I really liked that. I loved Dry Bones, the ones I picked out. I wish I was a mole in the ground. Uh Poor Boy Blues, uh See That My Grave Is Kept Clean. These are all the ones that I just wrote down as I was like, wow, these are like These are the ones that are sticking with me. All right. My question to you now, and there's so many of them, uh, were there any songs that you skipped over or is there anything you could say was your least favorite? I, 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 this is, there's too many songs. And I I don't, if you don't have an answer, I'm not going to be upset.
3: Well, at the very beginning uh, about the first three or four songs, all sounded pretty much the same to me. So I would kind of, all right, I go, all right. uh, I like that. And then I go to the next and it just, even they don't all sound exactly the same but it is that same kind of yeah. not really singing uh they're just kind of doing a thing yes 100 percent. all right uh can you fuck to this record uh i think so i mean i don't know how you do it <laughs> but i think so i mean i i mean it depends on the girl i mean in the past i put on some music that girls were like what's this <laughs> this is this is not it <laughs> yeah
2: i i think i think like uh, the back in the day i bet i bet people have fucked to this music um maybe not my choice I, i'll still go with deftones and and Portishead. i feel like that's a little bit easier but um you can fuck to it um too many songs to say pick one to fuck to um all right, last question. Where'd you guys go? Are you still here? Well, no, there you are. I'm, here. Yeah, I'm uh, no, here. No, no, no. You disappeared for a split second. All right. And the final question, and I feel like you might have already said it, but we're gonna do it again anyway. Uh, what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this album?
3: Well, I, I would tell them to, you know, transport themselves in time if you want to know what life was like, you know, before we had all the convenience that we have now you can listen to these people's problem uh, problems because that's what this album is to me. It's, yeah. it's people's problem. And that's why I think you find a lot of religious tracks on here too, because people are like, get me out of here. Uh, this is not fun. Uh, <laughs> we're tired. We're hot. Especially if you're in the South. I mean, I don't know exactly where you guys grew up, but it's like, I can't imagine living in the South without the invention of, uh, of uh, air Air conditioning. It's like my grandmother growing up. I mean, she lived during the depression and she did not have central heat and air. You would go to (sighs) her house. This is in Alabama and we would just sit there with an oscillating fan that would just go around and give you a, a brief moment of relief before it goes on to the next people. And um I just think it's it's interesting to hear this time period uh and to hear you know and to just i don't know i I think I might have given my elevator pitch away already, but yeah, you i did. you killed it though don't worry, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that. Uh, it's important to think about like, cause I like country music, right? Because that's what I grew up and I understand why someone would like rap if that, because it's what you relate to, right? For sure. Yeah. You grow up in a city. I, I that's why you like, I feel like I city people always like punk and stuff like that, because it's like, that's kind of what you can relate to. Um, uh, and I, I, think that's what this music is. I mean, it's like, if you want to feel what it was like in the thirties, you know, give these songs a listen where people can't even really play the instrument that well, but they're Mm -hmm. like, I got something to say. 100%. Uh, Please promote away anything you want to promote. Uh, Well, my website has all my dates on it. dustyslay.com. I mean, I'm all over the place. I'm always, I don't necessarily tour. I just go out every weekend and I'm at a different place every weekend. Um, And I do uh, a podcast with Nate Bergazzi now called the Nate land podcast that we put out every week. I have my own podcast called the We're Having a Good Time podcast. Uh, any of that's fun. If you've liked any of the rambling that I do, uh, <laughs> that's what my podcast is. Nate uh, will, will keep us from rambling too much. Yeah. But when I'm free to ramble, uh, I just go on and on.
2: I love it. I love that you and you, I love that you and Nate work together, man. I really do. Cause I love Nate. I think he's, I think both of you guys are just so talented. It's just so funny. So I can't
3: thank you enough for coming on, dude. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me.
2: What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Dusty Slay. Follow him on all social media at Dusty Slay. Go to his website, DustySlay.com and listen to his podcast. We're having a good time. Now for new music uh, is American folk trio, Bonnie Light Horseman. And you're listening to the song Exile off their 2022 album, Rolling Golden Holy. And you can find links on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band and you want your music played on the 500 because you were influenced by one of these albums or artists, send us your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com. Next week, Rhythm Nation. Who's bad? That's her brother, Michael. But it's a Janet record. Great record. Rhythm Nation, 1814. Do your homework. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
0: The winging of a dove When I'm in the dark And you Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday out now through Sound Talent Media. Next Chapter Podcasts.